All right. All right, everybody, we're about to start the Change Academy podcast. Please take your seats. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Change Academy podcast. I'm Brock Armstrong. And I'm Monica Reinagel. And this is a show about creating the life that you want by harnessing your ability to change. <laughs> we bring our expertise in nutrition and fitness and cognitive behavior theory, plus decades and decades and decades <laughs> <laughs> of experience coaching our clients and, of course, coaching ourselves as well, because we are all works in progress. And each and every episode of this podcast, we bring all of that and share it with you. And hopefully you'll join us on this journey. So in this episode, we want to talk about impulse control mm. and how giving in to unplanned urges can really get in the way of making the changes that we're going to make or that we're trying to make. And not only that, but a lack of impulse control can actually rob us of a lot of pleasure in our lives. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we can maximize the pleasure in our life by exercising a little bit more impulse control. I know that sounds kind of contradictory, <laughs> really, but we will explain. Just, just bear with us. But for now, we usually use this part of the show to talk about some of the stuff that we're working on, or we shine the spotlight on on you guys and share your stories of success or the things that you're you're working on and offer some of our coaching. But I'm just gonna. I want to talk about my morning routine and how it's sort of in a state of flux resistant flux actually i i might say as i as i mentioned in the intro to this show we are all works in progress and i identified a real sore spot for myself which is the way that i start my day i mean have you heard the the expression like win the morning win the day no i don't think i have oh, okay it's i think it's something that i read in um Tim Ferriss, mm. I think, was where I at least was first exposed to it. I have no idea if it was his to begin with. Well, I know morning routines are such a big deal. Everybody needs yeah. to have one and they're sharing them. And yeah, there's a lot of baggage around morning routines. There is. And and baggage is probably the right word for it, because I think when you shine that much importance on one particular thing, it can feel like this is a make or break situation and my day is going to be <laughs> like, win the morning, win the day, really like that puts a lot of pressure on your morning. And what if your morning doesn't go the way that you planned? Like even some of the stuff we're going to talk about later with impulse control and those opportunities that just present themselves or or derail you and stuff, it's putting a lot of pressure on the morning. But having said that, I definitely have identified that I'm not necessarily handling my morning in a way that is still serving me. It made me feel good to get out of bed, make my coffee, dive into my email, get through those sort of triaging stuff for later, answering the stuff that I could answer now and really handling all of that kind of stuff right off the bat. So I could then be like, OK, I got that's off my list. I finished my coffee. Now I'm ready to go and go for a run, go for a bike ride, do whatever, whatever I wanted to do. But I've realized in the last few weeks that even though that really seemed to be something that made me feel free, made me feel ready for my workout or whatever I was going to do next in the morning, it's not really feeling that way anymore. It's actually feeling like a stressor and it's feeling like, like I'm not winning my morning by doing that anymore. Hmm. I'm actually sort of setting myself up to, first of all, write some really bad emails. <laughs> <laughs> When I'm halfway through my first cup of coffee, my typos are just 
atrociously, extraordinarily <laughs> um, creative, shall we say. Mm -hmm. um, so not only that sort of stress that I'm feeling of like, okay, I got to get this finished because I really want to get out on my bike or whatever. And, and there's more emails than I anticipated and that kind of feeling, but I'm also not serving my clients or my friends or, or the people I'm responding to in the best way because my brain's not quite online and my typing is not quite right and my mm. spell check is only catching certain things. So anyway, this is all sort of a long story to say that just because I had this routine that was working for me or this this pattern of, of getting my day started that was working for me before, I, it's become apparent that it's not working for me right now, or at least in my current situation. So I'm trying out some different stuff. I'm trying out different ways of handling things. And man, it's hard to break the habit though. Hmm. I got up this morning and I did exactly that same darn thing where I launched, I made my coffee, I launched into the email and then I had to stop myself. I was like, what am I doing? Stop it. You're not supposed to be doing this anymore. I know. I got an email from you at what would have been 7.15 your time. And I thought, wait a minute. I thought you gave put me on notice that I wasn't going to be hearing from you so early in the morning. Yep. But this reminds me of uh, something that we talked about. I think it was in episode number 10 when we got to the list of the end of our list of eight things that are required for change. And that eight thing is forever because we're never done changing. And it's just a good reminder that sometimes we can work hard to set something up that really works for us, but that it, there may come a time when it's no longer the right solution. And we have to be kind of alert to that and ready to make the next change. Yes. And it actually, and then that led me into the curiosity portion of things where I'm trying out some different things and being also hopefully a little bit kind with myself when I have mornings like this morning when I just sort of fell back into the old habit and didn't berate myself or beat myself up is just a gentle reminder. Okay, put the laptop aside, take your cup of coffee and go sit outside on the porch and listen to the birds because that's really what you need to be doing right now, not trying to formulate a sentence in an email. So, so yeah. New habits don't get formed overnight. It's not like we just make up our mind. Okay, this is how it's going to be from here on out. Usually there's a, a fair amount of uh, uh, effort and energy that has to be expended to actually convert it from an idea or an intention into an actual habit. Yeah. Yeah. And I it's actually really fun when you put it that way, when you sort of frame it that way and don't look at it as a as an onerous task. It's actually like, okay, well... The world is my, or the morning is my oyster. <laughs> how, how do I want to open this oyster? Well, why don't we open the oyster of this week's episode and jump into our main discussion, which is <laughs> and, impulse control. And let's forget about that metaphor for the rest, of the, <laughs> the rest of the episode. Okay, so let me set up our discussion of impulse control this way. Let's say that you've identified something that you'd like to change in order to make your life work better or be happier or more fulfilling. And it could be anything, maybe eat less sugar or stay off social media during the work day or drinking less alcohol or sticking to a budget. Now, hopefully once you've identified this change that you want to make, you've put a plan into place to help support that change. And if you haven't, then it's back to episode five with you to review how important it is to have a plan. But then here's what happens. Something crops up that wasn't part of your plan. You drive by the Krispy Kreme store and the hot donuts sign is lit when you go by. Or <laughs> your phone buzzes and notifies you that someone has tagged you in a post. Or maybe you 
come into the kitchen and your partner asks you, hey, you want a beer? Or an ad pops up for some really hot sandals from your very favorite brand, even though you weren't planning on shopping today. Whatever it is, without a whole lot of thought, what happens is you abandon your plan and then you succumb to that momentary impulse. The only problem with that is when these impulses undermine those changes that you've decided that you're going to make. Now, before we go on, I have to I have to ask, when you go buy a Krispy Kreme, we don't have them in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. So the hot donut sign, does that mean that they're making donuts right then? Exactly. Is that brilliant marketing uh. or what? So they have the regular Krispy Kreme sign. And then in the middle, there's this little word that says hot in neon. And when it's lit you know that they are literally taking donuts out of the fryer. So, Oh, man. Yeah. Nobody tell Tim Hortons because they'll, <laughs> they'll start doing that and then we'll all be in trouble. But anyway, okay, so back to impulse control. And I just want to let everybody know that there actually is a condition, like a, a proper diagnosed condition called impulse control disorder. And that includes things like kleptomania, pyromania, uh, <laughs> trick trichotillomania actually I'm not sure how if I'm saying that right it's when you eat or you pull hair out sorry that was the the hair one and gambling addiction and there's a whole bunch of things that actually fall under the impulse control disorder and this is not what we're talking about today if you think that you have actual impulse control disorder this episode is not for you and please go and and get some help from a professional not from from us for that Because what we're addressing today are just those little moments throughout the day, like Monica said, that pop up and can, if we're not living mindfully, and we'll get into that a little bit later, will allow us to indulge in something that we hadn't planned on eating or blowing off a piece of work that you probably should be getting done. Yeah, just not making those choices, like Monica said, making not making the choices that are aligned with our greater goals. And you know, when that happens, it's really easy to blame the situation or blame that object or blame your partner who's offering you the beer or showing you, what was it, sandals at? <laughs> <laughs> Go and buy some new shoes. It's really easy to push that outside of yourself and try to blame the the actual, the donut or the the person. But the fact is that the like, the sunny day that makes you want to blow off the rest of the day and, and not do any work isn't actually the problem. You know, I was thinking about this today, Brock, and I, I realized that sometimes I think we use those random external provocations as a way to actually ditch our own responsibility for our actions. So it's not something that we chose to do or thought about. It just happened to us. Or someone else set that ball in motion, not us. You know, I was absolutely planning to exercise at the end of the day. And then a friend texted me and said, like, hey, let's uh, let's hang out on Zoom. Let's have a happy hour this afternoon. So I didn't choose it. I didn't make it happen. It kind of happened to me. And I think that it's really common for us to look at those external stimulations as um, as a way of kind of letting ourselves off the hook for for the choices that we make. And that can be a really dangerous rationalization. Yeah. Or we take that as sort of reinforcement that 
we just have impulse control problems. And then you sort of like wipe your hands together and say, well, I can't help it. I just have impulse control problems. I can't, I can't resist those sort of situations. I'm the type of person who Mm. can't control myself around sugar. I'm the type of person who can't control myself when I see the hot sign on the Krispy Kreme (laughs) thing lit up. But, you know, short of living in complete and total isolation and, uh, you know, shutting yourself off from all external communication and, uh, Um, and stimulation, there's always going to be these things that are being presented to us that are crossing our path, these crimes of opportunity that are not part of our plan. And so if we can't get a handle on this, we are destined to always be sort of getting to the end of the day and thinking, what happened? How did I go so far off choice? And I think the first step is actually just to notice when our decision-making process has just Mm. been hijacked by some completely random stimuli. And and in that noticing, we buy ourselves just a moment to not instantly react without thinking. Or without asking yourself a question. Yeah. A lot of the time when we're talking about what Monica was just, just mentioning, taking that, that moment and realizing that there is a choice to be made is actually a form of mindfulness. And I know mindfulness, that, that term has been bandied around a lot over the last five or 10 years. And I think it's really become connected with meditation that people often think of mindfulness and meditation being one thing that you set aside a portion of the day to go and and practice that mindfulness. But it doesn't have to be that. It can be that. But mindfulness really is just, uh, it's simply an attunement to the present moment. And then without judgment is sort of the the definition that you come across most often. So it's just being attuned to what is happening in that present moment, but not judging it, not saying that it's good or bad, or you're a bad person or a, a virtuous person or whatever. It's just, okay, this is what's happening right now. Is there another choice or is there a way that I can look at this differently? Or, or does this moment have to play out the way that it normally does. And when you use that mindfulness and you take that moment, you can ask yourself a lot of different questions like, why am I about to do this? Is this what I really want to be doing right now? Is this in alignment with my greater goals or my greater objectives? And and, and one of my favorites, is there another choice than mm-hmm. than what I normally do in this situation? So hitting pause is really the the way to it's the gateway to using that mindfulness to then explore the other possibilities. Yeah, it gives us that moment to even think about whether whatever it is that has distracted us or presented itself to us is worth it. I mean, the truth is, I get that little uh you know, hit of dopamine when I see that hot donut neon sign. I don't even <laughs> like those donuts, you know, like, but I haven't even seen it. And I'm getting a hit of right? dopamine thinking about but it. But when I drive by, it puts the idea in my mind, like, oh, they're hot, you know, and, uh, and yeah. just taking that pause to realize like, yeah, hot or cold, I don't actually like them. So that's an impulse I can just kind of ride. Another question that you've introduced me to, Brock, that I love is that by saying yes to this, what am I saying no to? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't think past just that first decision about, you know, am I going to do this or not? Am I going to resist this impulse or am I going to give into it? And we don't then think one step further to say like, yeah, and what does that then close off in terms of options for the rest of the day or uh, for how uh, the progress that I'm making towards my goal? But I do want to just reassure people who are listening that 
the goal here, the idea is not simply to abstain from all pleasure, to just resist every temptation, never get to say yes to anything that seems appealing. And actually, I want to suggest that when we learn impulse control, which starts with just that awareness, it can actually help us get more pleasure and enjoyment out of our lives. Because when we consciously choose our pleasures, instead of just accepting whatever happens to cross our path, whether it's our favorite thing or not, whether it's really a good time or not, when we take control of that, we can make much better choices. Yeah, I way back at the beginning of this episode, I said that seems paradoxical that by resisting those impulses, you actually get more enjoyment. And that's exactly what what we're talking about here is when you say yes to that momentary thing that just presented itself out of the blue, saying no to something later on, or even to that same thing later on with preparation, with anticipation, with setting up a whole scenario around it can be really enjoyable. And and I'm going to save more about that for the lab experiment, because that's really going to, I, that'll drive this point home a little bit more. But I want to say that there's there's actually been a ton of scientific studies done that look into how well we actually, as humans, are able to self-report on different activities. And a lot of them, sure, we're done on diet and exercise. The ones that are at least on, on Monica and my radar have to do with, with weight loss and fitness and nutrition. But when people get to the end of their, their day and they're asked to record the food that they ate or the activities that they did or something, people are notoriously bad at reporting that stuff. And specifically, they're really bad at reporting these impulsive little things that happen throughout the day, like that extra, the, the everybody's got somebody at work who has a little bowl of candy. And I know COVID has definitely changed our relationship with open bowls of candy, but in the past, like the person who has that little bowl of M&Ms on their desk, you grab a couple M&Ms as you go by, or somebody brought donuts into the office and you walk through the kitchen, and you grab one of those. Those are the first things that go unreported on these sort of these studies that they looked at. And I've got to ask, like, if those are actually enjoyable and worthy of, of having, why are we so bad at remembering them. You'd think that if it was really worth indulging in that we'd actually remember at the end of the day that we had exactly. it. Exactly. So. Yeah. And, I, and that feeds into another aspect of this. And that is that one of the greatest sources of pleasure about an enjoyable activity or event, whether it's a vacation or a meal or theater or something is looking forward to it. Hmm. Um, and I know they've done a lot of studies in terms of how much people say they enjoy their vacations. And the longer they've had to to plan and look forward to and to anticipate the vacation, when it's all said and done, the more pleasure they report having gotten from that vacation, whereas that impulsive last minute, like, oh, let's just, you know, run away somewhere. It may be fun, but comparatively, it brings us much less joy when we don't have that opportunity to look forward to it. So that's another thing that we lose out on when we just give in to an impulsive, even if the thing that's presented itself is actually kind of a worthy indulgence uh, by just instantly taking advantage of it instead of having it be planned and something that we can look forward to, we don't get as much pleasure out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about like blowing off the rest of a work day because it's summer right now. There's been a few warm days where all of a sudden 
I finish one project and sort of look out the window and think, oh man, I just take the rest of the afternoon off and just go and, and lay there in the park. If I had actually like looked at my, my to-do list and thought, okay, well, if I get these things done right now, then tomorrow I could actually plan something. I could pack a little lunch. I could invite a friend to come and, and meet with me and like just make it into a real a real production rather than just that spur of the moment thing. Well, you know, and we should probably just note also that there may come a time when something completely spontaneous and unexpected comes up and you take that pause to think, all right, this was not on my plan. Is this really what I want to be doing? And you might say, yes, this actually I can't do tomorrow. You know, maybe I was planning to exercise at the end of the day, but a friend has called their plane's been delayed. They've got a little bit of extra time before they're leaving town. This is somebody I don't get a chance to see that I really, you know, there there could be scenarios where a last minute unplanned thing could be just the thing. We just don't want to deprive ourselves of the opportunity to decide, yeah, would this really be better today? Or is this, can, can this only be done today? Or would this be better, even more fun, more enjoyable tomorrow or at the end of the week? Well, you know, what's really interesting about that, I'm glad you brought that up, is that Back when we were saying that we often blame the thing or the person or or whatever for derailing us, what you're talking about is owning it, is owning your choice. And when you own your choice, you can either own the consequences that come along with it, mm-hmm. which are mm-hmm. either good or bad, mostly in this case, probably negative, at least if not bad. But we can also own own the good parts as well, where we can say like, you know what, like I'm this wasn't planned. This isn't the greatest thing, but I'm okay with that. I'm going to take, I'm going to take this advantage and and go and do that. It really comes down to just owning your own decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a good rule of thumb is if you would look back and tell the story and say like, yeah, I totally departed from my plan, but if I had the chance to do it again, I'd do it the exact same way. Yes. <laughs> But I think most of the time that we give into these little impulses, these little hot donuts, these little on-sale sandals, these whatever, we don't look back and think like, yeah, I'd do it exactly the same way again. We look back and think, ugh, why did I do that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I also want to warn you against framing these kinds of choices as a choice between doing what you want to do and doing what you should do. Because I think that's sometimes how we see it. It's like, ugh. I want to do this, but I should do that. And if that's how we set it up, it's really a lose-lose proposition because there's there's no way to, to, to win. Um, and that's just an exhausting and kind of depressing way to go through the day. So we can also look to expand our options a little bit and think, well, yes, but maybe not now, or yes, but maybe not as much or, you know, some other way of saying yes to it, but then modifying it in a way that brings it more into alignment with our choices and maximizes our enjoyment. Yeah, it's finding that balance between all or nothing. There's always something in between. There's always some middle ground there. And often that can be the the perfect choice. And there's a, a phrase in medicine anyway, and probably other places as well, but the the minimum effective dose. Mm-hmm. I actually was reminded of this the other day. I was listening to this fascinating podcast about all the vaccines that are currently being made for the coronavirus, for COVID. We can apply that same idea to our indulgences mm-hmm. as well. And like just because you normally would eat an entire piece of pie or you normally would either take the entire afternoon off or or not, 
maybe taking an hour off and finding what is the the smallest amount that you can indulge in and not feel deprived. Because there's often a really big difference between getting enough to feel satisfied and feel like that was fun and, and worthwhile and what we normally think of as being like, it's got to be all or nothing again. And food is often the the one or drink is often the 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 one that's easiest to identify with. It's eating that entire piece of pie versus having a couple of bites of it. But having that that sort of minimum effective dose right in the moment might be just what you need to not be like, oh, man, I'm so deprived and I'm being so hard on myself and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but... That's my inner voice, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> when I deprive myself, I'm like... Meh, meh, meh. Yeah, and it yeah. also gives us the ability to, ha- to enjoy something without then having the regret or the hangover with having overindulged. That's what we're looking for is that yeah. sweet spot between enjoyment and uh, overindulgence. Indulging is fun. Overindulging is not over fun. Is not. So I think here's our takeaways from our discussion on impulse control. And that is, it's not just about depriving yourself or abstaining from everything that's pleasurable. It's about figuring out how and in what circumstances you can get the most pleasure from your indulgences. It's also another takeaway is that those impulse indulgences are usually not always, but usually much less pleasurable than the ones that we would actually plan and choose for ourselves. So why not hold out for the good stuff? Hmm. And yeah, the minimum effective dose is another great little thing to have in your pocket. You don't have to, like you said, blow off the entire afternoon or eat the whole thing or drink the whole bottle or whatever, (laughs) or buy everything that you've put in your Amazon cart. Um, (laughs) You can look for that minimum effective dose so that you can allow yourself some enjoyment and not feel deprived. Do you always have a, a bunch of stuff in your Amazon shopping cart or is that just me? Never. Oh, all right. There's a dirty little secret I let out. <laughs> I I have many vices, Brock, uh, but online shopping is not one of them. So you mentioned earlier a lab experiment. You got something good cooked up for us? Yeah, and I think it'll help clarify things. So the very next time you find yourself in one of those situations where something has presented itself suddenly in front of you and you feel the impulse to indulge, instead, take that pause, use your mindfulness to acknowledge that you're in a situation where you can make a choice, that it's not a predetermined, predestined situation. You have a choice to make. So once you've identified that, think through the other opportunities, the other ideas, the other possibilities, the whether this aligns with your greater goals and objectives, whether or not this is something you will really enjoy. Think through all those different possibilities during that, during that moment. And then once you've determined that this is something that's worthy of doing, but doing right, not having right in the moment, actually go and put it on your to-do list, put it on your calendar, call a friend, (laughs) do whatever you need to do to make sure that this is actually a planned event that's going to happen and you're really going to indulge in it. And I, I assure you that if you do that, you will really feel the satisfaction that we are talking about. We'll really understand what it means to, by putting off that hit of dopamine or that that indulgence and planning for it, 
isn't a deprivation. It isn't something you're you're punishing yourself. You're actually rewarding yourself, and you're doing something something much more meaningful and much more enjoyable. And, you know, there is sort of a secret little thing that we haven't mentioned yet, but sometimes when you do that and you push something off for another time or another date, well, sometimes it just sort of disappears into the ether because we get to that point and you're like, you know what, that wasn't actually as exciting as I thought it was back then. Maybe I won't bother with that. And there's a win there too, right? Absolutely. I think that you'll find this as a very reinforcing habit to get into. Because as Brock says, once you start planning and maximizing your treats, those little impulses, they don't hold a candle. Absolutely. So we'd love to hear how your lab experiments are going. And we'd like to invite you to follow the Change Academy by subscribing to the podcast if you're not already. You can head over to our website, changeacademypodcast.com. And in the show notes for each episode, we always include the lab experiment. So if it went by too quickly and you didn't take notes, you can find it over there if you'd like to go back and do that later. And that's at changeacademypodcast.com. And while you're there, you might as well just sign up for our newsletter and we'll send you a, an email each time we release a new episode because we're not exactly on a regular mm-hmm. schedule here. And if you're over on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, you'll find us there at Change. A-C-P-O-D, Change Act Pod, and we'd love to connect with you there. But however you have connected with us, drop us a note, tell us about what you're working on and how we can help. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the Change Academy. Thanks, everybody. And remember, you can go to changeacademypodcast.com slash impulse for all your lab experiment info.